If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Cyberpunk Uncensored, and I am Rob Mulligan. Today's episode is all about cyberpsychosis. But before we get into that, let me introduce my guest today. I got my buddy Hugo here. What's up, man? How's it going? Good. Good. I'm glad uh, you could join me. I know we've tried to kind of connect on the live stream and on the uh, podcast and things, and it just, you know, we, we've always been kind of busy at different times or whatever, but I'm glad we were able to work it out today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm on the, I think I think the problem is I'm on Pacific and uh, I think you're on East Coast time. No, no, no. I'm in LA. I'm on, I'm on. Uh... Are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. Oh, well, then I don't, I don't have no idea why we haven't been able to sync up. All right, well, no, no, no fucking excuses then. What the hell happened there? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so check it out. Uh, what I'd like to do before we start talking about cyberpsychosis uh, is give a little background on you. You know, talk about your history of gaming and what you're into and, you know, being into cyberpunk and stuff. Because I know we met online through the cyberpunk groups. And then obviously when I started kind of getting cyberpunk uncensored going, you came in there and you were you were very supportive, just like a lot of other people in the community. And you know, you quickly became a moderator and kind of just help content flowing and uh, interacting and stuff. And I know you run your own group too, um, but you know that's how I met you is online. But I'd love to hear more about you and your background and all that. And I'm sure the listeners would too. So fill me in. All right. Well, uh, real simply, I am probably what's what most people would consider an OG pen and paper. Uh, tabletop RPG player. I started playing way back in the 90s um, during the golden age of tabletop RPGs and like probably 99% of most people out there. It was uh, Dungeons and Dragons mostly. Um, me and a bunch of high school friends, used to, you know, the typical you spent all Saturday playing Dungeons and Dragons and all that bit. Um, we played a couple of other alternate systems um, sadly enough, I didn't even know what Cyberpunk 2020 was back in those days. That was not anything that any we we didn't even know that existed when we were playing. It was all Dungeons and Dragons. And then I think, like most people, uh, I grew up. Uh, I went to college, and then uh, I became an adult, and it kind of went to the wayside. And then, like about ten years ago, I kind of got bored with things and and thinking about like you know old hobbies and old. Uh, interests that I used to have and like I really just enjoyed playing the game and and all that bit and so I started I just picked it back up again I just started playing a game and one thing led to another and now I've GM games I've been in so many different groups in terms of cyberpunk however I actually came to it from a very weird angle because I'm a huge sci-fi and fantasy reader so I do about cyberpunk before anyone else before it was a thing really so i read like william gibson and neil stevenson and you know i saw akira and ghost in a shell and all that stuff long before anyone even really thought about it and so i really got into this like through cyberpunk and then i found a video about mike pondsmith and him talking about cyberpunk 2020 and i said whoa wait there was a tabletop rpg for cyberpunk and bought the core rule book read it 
ran a few games, been in a few games, and that and slowly but surely they announced the 2077 game. And ever and slowly but surely I've just been involved in more and more activity. I got invited to be a moderator to the to the Facebook group and then I got invited to the Discord server and then I met you and then we started the Cyberpunk Uncensored thing or you did and invited me along and here I am. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people back in the day, you know, one thing to remind everybody, like any any uh, maybe younger listeners is, you know, back in the day, there wasn't social networking sites. And, it, it you know, you didn't hear about everything all the time. <laughs> I feel like now it's so easy to hear about every fucking game and thing going on in TV show and movie. And like you, you just see so many ads and people talking about stuff and sharing and just it, it's just an overload of things. And you can pick and choose what you want to be into. But back in the day. You know, the only way you would hear about new game systems or, you know, uh, events or things to do is if it was big enough to afford like a big commercial or billboard, which would be extremely rare in the role playing tabletop world, you know, Uh, but you'd have to be at the game shop or in your school or like you said, in college, like with buddies or, you know, friends or uh, it was, you know, uh, not as accessible as now, especially with the, the digital age. Look at Roll20 and all the sites and how easy it is to just meet new people like how we met, you know, Um so yeah. Oh no, oh no, absolutely. Like like, you know, yeah, like, you know, for the most part it was Dungeons and Dragons because that was the most popular, like oh, yeah. commonly available item. Like you go to the store and you could have the smorgasbord of whatever adventures you want. And like, you know, like we were starving for other contests. So like we we like picked up the Marvel superhero RPG and we picked up the Star Wars RPG and but it was like never enough of that content to be able to switch over completely. And um, like, for example, like I'd be completely honest with you. Like when I came back to it 10 years ago, it was mostly digital. Like I quickly jumped on roll 20 and I bought books through drive through RPG. And if it wasn't for any of that, like I probably would have never bought most of the cyberpunk books. Yeah, I don't, I think it's actually kind of hard to find the hardcover editions of the cyberpunk book by and large, unless you're getting like a reprint. Yeah, I've got my my original collection still of all my uh, D and D stuff. You know, Dungeons and Dragons. That's the Godfather role playing game. So yeah, that was the that was the big one back in the day. And I think that's where a lot of people got their start. My, I started on second edition AD and D. You know, um, but it was like uh, I, I have all those physical books. But I I I, do, I had did a previous episode where I mentioned the pandemic and the quarantine. It kind of forced me to look online, and that's what that. It, that's like the only good thing for me that came out of this this damn quarantine is like I got online a little bit more with that side of things because um, all my personal gaming stopped. Friend, you know, we weren't getting together anymore with friends and stuff. So when I looked online, I found Roll Twenty. I found you know these groups. I heard about the new Cyberpunk Red coming, the video game. I was like, oh my god, like let me dive back into this shit. And I just like dove back in. Now I'm just like neck deep, loving it. You know, because <laughs> I'm doing the live game streams, the GM tips, the cyberpunk uncensored videos from the podcast this podcast i'm starting the gm round table um we're starting to stream other gms underneath the brand and kind of make this little community like you see we're kind of starting on discord so um yeah that's the only good thing that came out of the quarantine i guess is it it it, it showed me all this stuff that i probably wouldn't have noticed or paid attention to with everything else i was doing in life but oh man i am like i am like a preacher i am like i keep like prophesizing and and like selling it to everyone like oh yeah I, like, and i grew up in the pen and paper like i grew up writing pages of character sheets Me too. And reading books. 
But when I went, hopped online and realized, oh, shoot, there's a database. I could just drag and drop items, and it does the calculations for me, and I don't have to worry about lining up my character sheets anymore and all this other bit, and you could just play and not worry about all that minutia. I, I think it's very transformative. And I actually think like we would probably if tabletop RPGs would probably be more popular if people invested more into digital online tools and making the crunch less crunchy. Yeah, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I also feel like the other side to that, that's amazing is just think of how easy it is to meet new people, new players and new GMs from around the world. Like you don't just have to look in your local area. Like you can hop on online and like just set a time of the, day or week or month or however often you want to play but i think it's just it, it the internet has obviously it's just opened up the world to uh you know this a bigger community and i think it, it's you know like you said i'm trying to i don't know be a be a soapbox or a, you know sound off about this as much as i can and in multiple different ways because i love cyberpunk i have a passion for it and i just want to see it grow and grow and just see how big it can get because I'm, I'm really excited about it but it's also oh, yeah it's also got that nostalgic thing for me too because i was playing back when i was a kid so uh, with 2020. So um, I'm, I'm also like, I don't know if it's like a midlife crisis thing or what you want to call it, but it feels, it's like really fun and it feels uh, nostalgic when I get into it and we stream the games and we play and I, I'm reading the books. You know what I mean? Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. And I totally get that. Cause like I said, I grew up in that traditional pen and paper world where we all sat together with the Mountain Dew and the Doritos and the, you stayed up till one o'clock in the morning. Cause it was the only excuse you could get to stay up late and, and, yeah. and, and all that bit and, and all that. But you know, at the same time, like I'm very cognizant of the fact that like I was a very bookwormy nerdy kind of guy who like didn't mind memorizing rules and writing down formulas and all that bit. And I'm very, very aware of the fact that there's a lot of people who are not into that crunch like they're just that doesn't motivate them they sure. want to play a story they want to play a character they want to act out a scene and i think that's actually the more important part of tabletop rpgs like the crunch is the crunch and there's a skill and and things you can learn from that but i think the real core of it is like the people being together collaborating ad-libbing a story using your imagination being oh, yeah. creative no and, I, and and with roll 20 in these sites it like you know eases a lot of that crunch like you said it automates some of those things but it still keeps the world and the decision making and everything else open world a huge sandbox it's like th there's no limitations like like a video game like even an open world video game which is amazing like i'm looking forward to 2077 but even a video game is going to have certain limitations are going to have an edge of the map you know what i mean and so like, absolutely and that's the one cool thing is like even with roll 20 and digitizing the tabletop role-playing game it still is like you know you're still talking and using the mind's eye or looking at a map and it's still an open world and you can do anything and say anything but i love like you said how these sites have kind of taken some of that crunch away so certain things move a little smoother and faster um, yeah, I don't know. It just makes the story and, and everything just more epic and more movie-like, and you can picture it more when you're not trying to think too much about the math with the players, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and I've been a big proponent of that, and I, and I get that there's a huge technophobic streak to the, to, the, to the medium. Like, a lot of guys are just married to that old school. Like, I want the binder with the books and the oh, DM yeah. screen. But at the same time, I kind of feel like, well, yeah, but that was an evolution. Even that was an evolution because no one remembers that, you know, Gary Gygax was adapting, like, old school wargaming scenarios where, like, stuffy guys in, like, suits used to argue about, like, military strategy. And yeah. he took that and made it to a game with fantasy and elves. And people looked at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> 
No, totally. And I think like one thing that to say is like I, I was definitely kind of one of those people when I was getting into the digital, I saw everything going on. I, I was apprehensive of using a site like uh, Roll20 at first because I was like, oh, I don't want to have to learn learn this whole uh, interface and how to do all these things in there. It's, oh, I don't want to have to learn it all. And so I was like video chatting either through Zoom or Facebook and still you know, getting online and, and getting back into playing with friends that we couldn't meet in person because of the quarantine. But then I was like, I finally was like, fuck, let me get on there. And I got into Roll20 and I was like, wow, okay, it's really not that difficult. You're just like loading in a map, you're setting the details and, and you know, you do the little tutorial and it walks you through and it's like, it, it's like, it does a lot of cool stuff, but it's super simple and it's free. You know, that's what I love about Roll20.net anyways. Um, as if this is no. a commercial for that, you know, but I no, absolutely. And, and, and the sad thing is, is like, I've worked in tech, like I've worked in it, I've been in customer service, I've worked yeah. in software programmers. And so I look at roll 20 and I'm like, wow, this is an amazing tool. And this should be something that definitely everyone should look into. But I also look at it like, wow, they put minimal amount of investment in this. Like, this is a bare bones product. And yeah. like, and like so much more could be done to make it more user friendly, more intuitive, more easier to wrangle. And I think that that's that's really to me it breaks my heart because I think if a tool like that was built like if there was a killer app experience for like tabletop RPGs where a bunch of people could just get together, drag and drop a couple of character sheets, throw up a simple map and just play like you could back in the old days, but yeah. just completely online, so much more people would be jumping into the genre. Oh, big time! Hell yeah, most definitely. But yeah, so enough about. All that stuff. Enough of that. So let's get into Cause, cause I, why. Yeah. Let's get into that. Why? Why this is such a great uh, medium to play into because of cyberpsychosis. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, I could talk about cyberpunk all fucking day, and we'll, we can keep going on tangents. You know, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Let's let's talk about cyberpsychosis. Um, I think it's it's such an interesting subject because from a GM point of view and a player point of view, implementing this is very. Um, I don't know, uh, interpretive or whatever. Like it's not, it, it's not so defined in the books. I mean, it's defined how how you get it in levels, but there's never like you have to do this, you have to do that. You roll this and you get this negative. There's no, you know, it's it, it's very weird. But let's back up a little. Why don't you get into take take the mic here and explain to people listening, you know, what empathy points are, how it you know ad, adds up to your humanity, and then how that affects when you get cy cybernetics the leading to cyberpsychosis, kind of explain those details. Absolutely. And this is based on the interlock cyber component 2020 rules. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I think you have the beta rules. So I don't know if it covers, if cyberpsychosis is different than that versus the old yeah, exactly. school rules. That, well, that's what I figured is you explain it as 2020 is and, and the details, it's it's very, very similar. There's just a couple tweaks when it comes to red. and But I would like to just go over all the details that you got for you know, general public speaking, and then uh, I'll, I'll kind of interject some stuff when we get going. No problem. All right. So real simply, in interlock, um, there's two there's two scores. One is your empathy score, which is just generally a stat score that covers like basically how you can read human emotions and deal with people. And uh, the mechanic says you take that score, you multiply it by ten, and that gives you your humanity score. And your humanity score is the pool of available points you have for how much cybernetics you can install on your body. And so as the rules work, every piece of cybernetic has what's called a humanity cost. It's usually either a, a straight negative cost or you roll depending on the dice, 1d6, 1d4, whatever. Um, you install the part, you roll the dice, it tells you how much you lose in humanity. 
and you subtract it from your total score. Now, this is where it gets interesting. For every 10 points of humanity that you lose, you lose one point of your empathy stat. Why is that important? Because once you reach empathy three, your personality starts changing. And then according to the game rules at empathy three, you're basically cold hearted fish. You don't care about much of anything at all. Most things don't move you and you're generally heartless person. At empathy two, you're basically emotionless and unpleasant to be around as a description. At empathy one, it says that you fight violent urge to hurt people around you. And so the idea is at this point that people are so irrelevant to you that you just like you have to fight the urge of just crushing someone's head because they're in your way. Um, and then at empathy, at empathy zero is the what is considered cyber psychosis. You have an intense hatred of all biological life around you, and you will ruthlessly kill and murder anyone in your way. In the game rules, basically, at Empathy Zero, the GM takes over your character, and either you have to be captured and treated or killed. Yep. No, exactly. And I think just some, some things to add here as far as Red and how things have kind of evolved. And I love what they do with Red because they go they expand on things that you want. They kind of pull back on things that maybe got too crunchy or extensive in previous versions, you know, like it's just, it's, I love what they've done here with streamlining and then expanding parts. But when it comes to cyber psychosis, they kind of give you this sort of checklist of, you know, uh, like uh, traits. And I can't read exactly, I don't want to get into any details, but they give you basically this checklist of, of uh, psycho things, you know, like whether it's you lack empathy or you lack guilt, or maybe you have to have some type of stimulation um, or uh, impulsivity or whatever. So it has all these things. And then as you go, you know, whether it's empathy, like it's the same, like once you get to three, it kind of starts, you know, when you get down to two, then one, then zero, you know, and same thing. I think zero, it's just absolutely crazy. You're either captured for rehabilitation or killed or whatever the GM's taken over. You know, you don't let it get that far. But anyways, as you're going through three, two, one and, and such, it, it, it kind of tells you, you know, you're, you don't have cyber psychosis yet, but you're getting a little bit crazy, you know, with two, you're getting crazy and you got to do your best to kind of act that way. And then when you get down to one, same thing, but you got to at least grab some of the, the traits from the, uh, the list there. And you got to add those in and kind of role play it accordingly. When you get down to zero, you're even grabbing more. And that's when the GM is kind of like, I, I feel can get some more creative freedom. Like you said, but it, it just gives at least a little bit more detail in that because you're grabbing things from a checklist. And I, I feel that helps encourage the the player to kind of fall in line or whatever because they've, they've brought their character <laughs> all the way to that point, you know. But I think it's interesting to kind of discuss from a GM point of view how sometimes that can be difficult. You know, a player sometimes can, you know, get crazy with all the cybernetics and get fully into that. And then, like, you know, they won't change the way that they're playing so much. They're still just continuing on and like trying to ignore that fact, I guess. Like in the past anyways, I feel with with Red they go into detail with treatments and all kinds of stuff and and you know the med tech's abilities and it just it, it's definitely more involved, which I enjoy, which I think is awesome because it kind of forces some of that stuff. But how how you know as a GM do you kind of deal with cyberpsychosis and feel free to go on tangents about it and stuff. You know, just give me give me your thoughts on all that. 
Well, yeah, it's like you said. I think I think the big problem with this is, I mean, personally thinking and, and personally thinking me and reading the rules, I kind of feel this was a blank spot that was supposed to be another supplement at some point in the future that they were going to cover. Um, specifically, I kind of feel like if they were ever going to make a med tech supplement, it probably would have covered cyberpsychosis more in depth, like how to treat it, what are the conditions, what are the alternatives to it? Because, yeah, you read the rules. It doesn't give you a lot to work with. It's very open to interpretation. Munchkins are going to munchkin. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, there you're going to find a guy who wants to be basically RoboCop but doesn't want to play RoboCop. And it's like, dude, like, do you understand how the rules work? And they're like, well, no. And so I understand this is where I understand some GMs love this is why they love crunch because then there's no argument like the table says you have to roll and that's it, you know, right. Uh, it's a lot harder for you to have a, a more thematic conversation with a player unless you have that relationship with, with someone to say, OK, well, how do you think someone losing their mind would react? Exactly. You that's, know a good, that, that's a great point to make because that's kind of how I would have to handle it in gameplay. And I haven't really run across this as a GM so much. Um, back in the day I did, uh, me and my friend and, you know, group, we would kind of trade off who's GMing. We do extensive campaigns and trade. This is before I, I moved away when I was a kid. But um, but it's like you you have to do one of two things. Like you're either playing, you're, you're GMing, a player goes so far into cybernetics, they really shouldn't be acting like, the normal character yet they continue on acting like nothing's wrong you either have to do one of two things you either address it in gameplay and you find a tactful way to do it whether it's you know you taking over certain things i i, I love how you just put it i think it's a great tip for gms out there if you're listening uh it's kind of good just to kind of say you know well, wait a minute how, how would someone that's kind of crazy and, and and in the depth of some cyber psychosis handle a situation like that? You know, and it kind of makes them, it's not like forcing them, it's not telling them to do something, but it's asking them, and it kind of forces them to think about it, at least. And hopefully at that point, they'll play honestly, you know what I mean? But the other but the only other way is to just kind of tolerate it, keep moving forward, everyone's having fun, whatever. Maybe no one else noticed. You as a GM notice that they're not, you know, acting accordingly or falling in line with what they've brought their character to in cyber psychosis wait till the game's over and then you know if you're all friends with the the group you're friends with everybody playing you just kind of talk to them separately away from everyone like hey man like just so you know uh uh you got you're to this point and this is how really that person should be acting you should be a little bit crazier and stuff unless you plan on getting some therapy or you know doing something about it uh this is what you kind of got to be doing so just keep that in mind from now on and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll remind you in gameplay if you forget and you can take it that way too but i really like kind of nipping in the bud and just you know confronting it in gameplay i think that was a great point that you made yeah absolutely i think a big part of it is like uh, at least in my experience and i and like you i've never had too much of an experience in cyber psychosis i think most people have a healthy i think the they I avoid think it the, to avoid it because the rules specifically say like once you get to zero the gm takes over your character and it's basically up to them what your fate is and i think most players don't like that yeah. idea so i think most okay well i know that this empathy three is the line and i'm not going to cross it um but you know you have the ones who are like well technically i guess i can still be you know empathy one and still be playing right. you know and then that's when you get to yeah dude but then literally like every rp situation it's like you got to be making cool saves to make sure you're not just going to kill everybody you know? oh, that's, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point too. Like, make 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 them start doing cool saves. Set your different 
you know, uh, DV levels, set your, your uh, whatever you're to hit or whatever you want to call it, depending on what you're playing here. But, uh, you know, if, if they're starting to get close to there, maybe just set that as a cool check. And just and that could be used as kind of a reminder for them to take on some of those personality traits too, you know? That's why I actually, when I looked at, read all this, and I was like, well, this is all interesting. But I actually was already like, this needs to be expanded upon, and there needs to be a little bit more options or more i guess tools in your toolkit to give a player to say okay think of it this way or think of it that way you know because in reality it's like well let me get this straight just because i happen to add a cybernetic eye i now want to like ruthlessly kill every human being in front of me that makes no sense right. um, you know and i get that kind of thematic thing of well, like, i like well, that there, there's layers to it though it's not it's not necessarily like that unless they're going so far down to like zero or one or negative empathies you know it drops to the point the gm's taken over or they're down on one or zero and they're borderline or whatever but i i think uh that's kind of cool with red that within you know three two one they give these kind of little personality traits and you can kind of remind the player to, hey, implement these into your character's actions and thoughts and stuff. Like you should be thinking like this. And you just got to remind them. But I, I do like that cool check idea. I think that's another way or like, you know, uh, uh, an empathy See, check maybe, you know, so like their empathy as it goes down, like it's harder and harder for them to make those checks. And um, and and if they don't make them, then maybe the GM says, yeah, yeah, you would you would you're going to have to swing on. Them. You're going to have to do something violent right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like or whatever it might be, whatever the situation might call for. Like, no, if, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, even before, you know, I even knew what red, how red was going to approach yeah. cyber psychosis. Even I was thinking about it like, well, yeah, you know, the simple solution to say, well, yeah, you put too much. You, you know, you become Darth Vader, you become Darth Vader, twisted and evil. And you're more machine right. than man. I get the concept. But I'm like there should be at least some variety and i always felt like it could be anything you know like cyber psychosis could be you become a psychotic psychopathic killer or it could be you get some weird version of like parkinson's disease or like you have dissociative disorder or you know one thing that i did back in the day when i would actually do it and like the one time i would run across it and because we you know everyone would always try to avoid it and they would try they would avoid getting even to 3 they would go as far as 4 but no one would hit 3 because no one wanted to see what would happen or how they would have to try to change you know but in in the occasion that it did and and you know i i would do things like start a session maybe where that player and and it would kind of put the session around him which would maybe make the other players have to react cuz that's how it would be if someone in your party was cyberpsychosis but you know they show up uh, not remembering what they did last night, and there's a scream sheet report, like you know, uh, his description and wanted on the news. Somebody's looking for him. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Murder, they, and you you throw him into exactly a, stick, like a sticky situation. So maybe it's like, okay, you're acting normal. You can still play your character, but I'm gonna drop some big bombs on here where there's moments where you black out and you don't know what the fuck just happened until you fix this issue. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, the next day, someone's out to kill you, and you're right, like, right. wait, like what happened? Well, you just killed my best friend last night. What do you mean? Exactly. No, I think. Uh, so yeah. So I think you so have definitely. Kinda, you you kind of have to force it as a GM. You know, it's not going to be some. Typically, it's not going to be something that a player is going to just really take on. Most players are going to avoid it. Like I said, they're going to avoid getting even down to three. But I think the fact that like Red gets into some detail about med techs and therapies and costs and all kinds of cool shit, you know, to where I think it's a little more defined and people are going to cross that line. Cause then they're going to try to deal with rolling and getting therapy and paying and these things to, to fix at least it to certain degrees. And that's going to be kind of fun because it's going to, it's going to be a little bit different. 
but uh, hopefully players have fun with it, you know, and, and GMs get creative with it. I think if you can't address it in game or after, and they're still not doing it, get creative. Like I said, drop in a blackout moment, take out chunks of their time where all of a sudden there's repercussions and things happening and they have no clue why or what happened. And they've got to figure that out. And all of a sudden it becomes part of the game and maybe a little annoying at times to them in the party. Cause maybe things happen in the middle of a, a session or another job they're doing, you know, like they're all going somewhere and they got to meet and that person isn't there yet, you know, and then you wait just a few minutes, let the game get going. And then all of a sudden, okay, cool. Now you're walking in. You have no idea why, but you got blood on your hands right now. You know, absolutely. You, you yeah, do stuff absolutely. Like that. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's those are great ways of handling. That's exactly how I would uh, either either for a player who doesn't know how to deal with cyberpsychosis or is just like, well, surprise me with something. I don't really want to know how I get cyberpsychosis, which is which sounds great on paper, but then it's like, oh, great, now you left it all up to me. Awesome. Right, right. No, I think like uh, I said, you got it. The GM needs to, you know, put on put on his GM hat. <laughs> and kind of take control over certain things, but do it in such a way where nobody's railroaded. You're not doing whatever. I think be tactful. Like I said, slip in little things to where it's, um, you know, like I'm doing a whole GM's tip thing in an episode about rewards and repercussions because it's a big part of role playing in my mind, just like you have your motivations to drive the player. Um, but I think it, it has to come to that point. You got you to gotta not railroad, not force it, but you got to force a couple things that are happening in the background. Well, you got to nudge it. And you have to set up a circumstance. It's yeah, really yeah. about circumstances, right? Because because the, the truth is, thematically speaking, right, if you're going cyber-psychotic, you're not aware of it. It's not like you just woke up. Exactly. No, well, that's, why I like to, that's why I like right? to do the whole blackout thing. That's why I came up with that back in the day because it was like, man, there's there's a perfect way that, in my mind, translate to, translates to how it would actually be. You know, you'd wake up and be like, why the fuck you know, am I wearing this? And why is that weapon over there? And like, who, who is that tied up in the corner? What the fuck just happened last night? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So let's segue into that because there's another aspect to this, which is not mechanical sort of speak. Well, it is, but it, but it's sort of alternate, right? Because in the, in the cyberpunk 2020 world, a big part of it was apparently there's cyber cycles running around everywhere, right? Oh yeah, there's a bunch of people have always pushed the limit. There's Maelstrom, there's a whole, there's a whole booster gang. Oh, and that's the whole, yeah, always in their C SWAT and like you know the um, Psycho Squad. You know what I mean? Right. Like with the police so, department, I love that so, shit. So it's so dangerous and it's so prevalent in in cyberpunk that there is an actual Psycho Squad um, whose only job is it to catch people who have gone over the edge and put them down pretty much because i doubt they i doubt they uh they believe in capturing first <laughs> oh no and it's not just like something mentioned in the rule book and it's a thing that happens with it and it's the reason for psycho uh squad on the police department or whatever c swat it, it's it's also part of the lore i forget what it is it's in like the night city source book where they talk about at lake park um behind the stage is the famous spot where so-and-so who was cyber psychosis went on a killing rampage. I forget what year it was all over there. And that's where C-SWAT captured and killed him. I wish I could remember the name. I wish I had that in front of me. I think we mentioned it in the Night City uh, episode of the podcast. So anybody listening, you can go back, check out that episode. We, we, we dive into Night City uh, lore. But I love the fact that they incorporate cyber psychosis directly into the lore. Like it's, it's definitely, like you said, a prevalent part of 
you know, the culture of cyberpunk, the whole world, it's world, uh, you know, it's part of what happens. There's definitely going to be just like now we have people that abuse drugs and go overboard with things or they're addicted to collecting things or weird stuff. I don't know, whatever. But um, it's like that. Like think of how the dark future would be. People would totally be addicted to getting cybernetics and just losing themselves in in the dark, cold future and maybe losing empathy and humanity, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And so in that way, you know, the obvious question is, is this a zero-sum game? Once you reach zero, is there no coming back from that brink? Obviously not. There are ways to come back from the brink of, of I guess, psychosis. No, there's definitely – you can definitely come back, at least in red. You know, it defines, like I said, therapies and things you can do. You can never fully go back to your, your empathy because just having cybernetics co- comes with a cost, but – but you can repair it to the point to get you back. It's going to be at a cost. It's going to be time. It's going to be money, depending on if you know a med tech or you're paying for therapy or hospital or whatever the case may be and what level you're at. But you can fix yourself, just like in real world. You can go to therapy and things like that. But uh, but However, one- it's, a, it's, a, it's a very – I mean, it's, it's a serious trade-off because at least in the 2020 2020- – lore and interlock the only way to come back is you'd have to get rid of all your cybernetics go into intense therapy and in theory you can restore your empathy score but like you said you could never you know like the minute you start wearing cybernetics you'd start losing your humanity again so well no yeah let me let me add in red it's very rare don't get me wrong if you you know it depends on what level you're at but if you get all the way down to like zero and negative humanity and you're to the point that the gm's taken over um yeah you're you're being hunted by psycho squad you're you know usually you're you're being killed it's time to make make a new character you went too far but there is rehabilitation it's just rare but it's there like i said you know it depends on the gm and how how maybe how the player handles it. But the one thing I really wanted to mention, I, I didn't mention at the beginning and I wish I did, is with Red, the other kind of cool thing, and we were talking about this in the game that I run, um, is the fact that you can also lose humanity based on like different tra- different traumas. It's not just cybernetics. So like depending on if you're tortured or kidnapped or maybe trapped. Oh, so they, so they expanded it beyond just oh, yeah. cyber, cyberware. It's like if you if you get tortured you might lose some humanity points oh yeah yeah like traumatic mental stress and shit you know long environmental stress factors like being trapped in the war zone or different crazy shit like you can literally have humanity loss from things so it's kind of fun to do that too because you can look at a life path and come up with stuff or you can implement it into the game which is kind of cool like if a player is getting out of hand you can do certain things and be like boom now you're you're actually losing humanity because you did this and it's stressful or you're doing you know what i mean or like if they fail on certain things and, and have to go through some torture or kidnapping or war zone stuff or whatever. Maybe it stresses them out and you can hit them with some humanity loss and it just adds a whole nother layer of danger and craziness to the world, you know? And I love that they did that with red. No, that's good. I like that. Um, did you ever, do you know about the Scandinavian, Scandinavian cyber clinics? No. What's up? So, in Cyberpunk 2020, in the supplement, in the Eurosource supplement, there is an alternative to the traditional therapy cyber psychologist option. Uh-oh. Um, you can, with the right, obviously, with enough money, uh, basically go to the Betty Ford Clinic of cyber clinics. <laughs> nice. And so, basically, uh, according to this, you must book six months in advance. It's at an extra 10% cost of the standard rate. And it will, oh no, for an extra 10% of the standard cost, they can boost you 1d6 months up the waiting list. Now, 
maybe you can understand this because I'll, I'll have to read this rule a couple times to understand what this means. Because it says roll humanity twice, subtract subtract the second result from the first to get the actual humanity cost. And I'm like, what humanity? So I'm wondering if that means just roll 2d10 and subtract the two numbers because that doesn't make sense what it says. Yeah, I have to re read that and really yeah. look at it. And so basically it says the course lasts one day per maximum humanity cost, which is what that formula calculates. Yeah. And it costs 1,000 EB a day plus normal operation costs. Wow. And so that is probably the quickest way for you to cure yourself, at least in the interlock 2020 rules, to cure yourself of cyberpsychosis in the game. I can imagine that if you were this bad that you would opt for this, this would be a, quite an expensive therapy course. Oh, yeah. At least it's there, though. Like, it's, it, I love when they do stuff like that. It's very real, you know? And it's like, man, if you have the fucking money, <laughs> you, can, you can be healthier. You can take care of things like that, you know? So whether you're stealing it or a life of crime or trying to get to that point or you're just lucky enough to be a, a high-level rocker boy or corp exec with the money, you know, you can go, go handle it. But, it, but it's like uh, in red, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when it comes out and all, all the other lore comes, because keep in mind, I only have like kind of the core rules in, in beta version, you know, um, enough to play, but it doesn't come with all the fancy lore and extras and goodies. Like there's definitely a lot of references in the book where it's like, um, you know, it'll tell you the rule and it'll say, but this is all expanded on page. And then it says XXX and you're like, damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, there's definitely a lot missing from lore. So I'm excited to see what they do with it, but I'm sure there's going to be like, um, I mean, well, they mentioned the different clinics and costs, depending on how much humanity you're trying to gain back through therapies. I mean, it, it ha we at least have that in the core, like it explains um, some of those details, but, but I'd be excited to see if there is also some type of like, like, like you just described some higher level Betty Ford version. Like you got to be famous or rich as fuck to be able to afford that and get to it. And then you get, I don't know, a little better treatment options, you know? And like, I, I don't know, that'd be kind of cool. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, when I read this portion of the rules, I was like, wow, there's so many adventures can just come, not just from dealing with people who have cyber psychosis, right? So they can imagine you could play Psycho Squad. I'm running a psycho squad game. Nice. It, it runs. It, it creates its own. It creates its own adventures, right there. Like you don't even. Seventy-five percent of the work's done for you, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and like for example, like my my main game that I played um, with my group, literally revolved around cyber psychosis. It was literally two corporations desperately trying to find a way to circumvent this humanity loss, and what they were willing to do, to do it. That's like fun. To, to make it happen. And like, you know, one corporation was trying to do it the right way. And one corporation was like, I don't care, human guinea pigs. And, <laughs> you know, if, if we're going to if we're going to pile bodies to solve this problem, yeah. so be it because the profits are there. And and uh, and yeah. And so and so, yeah, it was it was a pivotal part of the, of the entire story. Basically, one corp like it, the background was really simple. Right. So there were two corporations. One was like the nice corporation or the one that was trying to do nice the nice way ethical and there was one corporation it was completely heartless you know cold and so they were both trying to research a way could you do a full body replacement without someone going cyber psycho right yeah and so the one company was decided they were going to use medical nanobots that was their gimmick nice but they couldn't make it work that was my 
story part. Whatever reason, they could just never make it work. Every mm. it was, it's like that scene in RoboCop Two when they kept trying to make another RoboCop, yeah. and it just had a whole lot, list of just failures. And they're just sitting there like, "What? Why can't? <laughs> why can't we replicate this?" Yeah. And so I was like, "It's the same thing. The nanobots don't adhere properly. They dismantle the whole body. The guy goes crazy, and it just becomes this big monster. And they just can't figure out how to do it." Yeah. The other company is like, "Well, we're not going to worry about the hardware part." Because the real problem is it's your mindset, it's your attitude, it's your perception of what's happening to you while you're undergoing this that's really causing the trauma. So they've figured out some sort of psychological brain dance, neural way, neural way of doing it. But they were a really small company. They couldn't do widespread testing. Uh. So in the background, I had it so that they both, the bigger company heard about this so they go hey why don't we join forces and join our research and see if we can make a better product together so they they do that on the pretext of just looking at the technology they see it and they go yeah this is what we need but we're not going to share we're not going to share profits with these assholes so they nice. fake they fake a corporate espionage incident and steal the tech from them and then tell them like, oh, everything's gone. The laboratory's destroyed. Like we're back to back to square one. Sorry about that. <laughs> and, and of course, the other corporations like bullshit. We know what you did. Yeah. And then the, the whole story revolved around that. And um, and yeah, it was um, it was a very fascinating concept. I basically had it so that um, what was what was what was essentially happening was the nanobots. Every time they would interface, basically every time they would interface with someone's mind, your mind would try to take over the nanobots, and there would be like a struggle. And because of that, you know, that conflict would basically kill most people and either the nanobots won or you won. Either which way, the outcome was not good. Um, in the story, it was so bad, it almost created what's called a gray goo apocalypse. I don't know if you know what that means. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's when the nanobots get so out of control, they start trying to eat the entire planet. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how bad it got. And of course, in the game, technically speaking, the one corporation that was doing this research was actually banned from doing it. It was like a moratorium on nanobot research. But of course they were like, yeah, we were not going to listen to that either. And yeah. so, and so, yeah, they, they hired a booster gang to kidnap people in the combat zone or in the border of the combat zone and literally use them as human guinea pigs to try to perfect this process. Nice. And so, and so, yeah. And so the party basically stumbled onto this entire plot because the one main character was a rocker boy and someone in his fan club, his mom got kidnapped. So of course he writes to his, his favorite, you know, his favorite celebrity and says, can you help me find my mom? And he's like a, he's like a, he moonlights as a vigilante, like a street hero type. So he's like, yeah, of course I'll go save your mom. And oh, stumbles, yeah. it stumbles into this entire dark conspiracy. And so it culminates basically with them finally being able to make their perfect cyborg right they capture they actually captured one of my one of the retiring players one of my players who didn't want to play anymore and so i was like okay fine can i can i use your character in the story and it's like yeah sure go ahead oh, so okay. i had him so i had him captured and then finally he was like you know the doctor who was researching this i made him like a dr frankenstein type so he's like i finally found my perfect specimen because he the player actually wanted to be a full body cyborg and he kind of played his character like a cyber psychotic like heartless and nice. like devoid of emotion so i was like this would be perfect like like this doctor sees him is like oh i don't have to prep this guy he wants to be a cyborg yeah. 
you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, and so the final scene in the, the final scene of the campaign was the corporation basically prototyping the cyborg by cleaning up loose ends and killing the, the booster gang that they had been doing business with to cover up all their nefarious deeds while the party was trying to like rescue the, the person's mom and all these other victims of human trafficking. Nice. No, I love that. And I love that you, you know, built the campaign around cyber psychosis. That's fun. I also love like when uh, like I've seen other games where they'll actually make uh, you know a, <clears throat> a party be something unique. Like they'll they'll have like the whole party. I forget it was uh, Caitlin I think in in our un- Cyberpunk Uncensored group online was talking about her next campaign where all of them are playing execs, you know, corpse that were uh, they all just recently got laid off or something or their ex execs and now they're all on the streets struggling together or something along those lines. I also know somebody that did a whole campaign where everybody was a cop, um, you know, a, a different type of cop at a, a station. Um, so like, I think that's kind of fun too. Like, uh, you know, not just making a story in a campaign based around some, some great elaborate. Oh, thing like, like I said, it, it writes itself. Like you could do anything. You could literally be like, Oh, some mad scientist created a chip that offsets humanity loss right. during cyber surgery. And now five, five corporations are trying to hunt it down and they'll do whatever it takes to get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but even aside from like implementing cyber psychosis into, you know, plot and story campaign, I think an, another interesting angle would be get a party together that, that wants to play characters like that and go a little overboard with the cybernetics and make everyone play uh, that type of character, something the same way like others have done like a full, you know, corp exec team or a full cop team. You know what I mean? Like that would be kind of crazy to do a whole I mean, team of you, cyber. Ten- I mean, technically speaking, you could play members of the Maelstrom. Like we're a Maelstrom yeah, that's gang. True. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that will. Be I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If there's any, if there's any genre or setting where playing the quote unquote evil campaign isn't allowed and encouraged, it's cyberpunk. I well, mean, I mean, hell, I I did a whole uh, uh, game master tips episode on on the YouTube channel about making it cyberpunk, and uh, and man, one of the things is like, I mean, just the world itself being dangerous all the time and corrupt because of the struggle. And the, uh, you know, the income diversity, it's just, it, it's already has that layer there, which is kind of, I don't know, exciting in itself for a game. Like you said, it's, it's almost, uh, set up to be where, like, even when you're a good person, you're going to come across some bad traits and things that's you're going to cru- ha- you're going to have to do just to survive, you know? That's the crux of the whole, to me, that's the crux of cyberpunk, right? Because, you know, oh, yeah. anyone could play a hero, but it's harder to play a hero who has to make a compromise choice. And not like a black and white. It's like a two shades of gray choice now. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I want to be a nice person. I don't want to hurt anybody. But now I have the choice of like, okay, I either kill 50 of these people or kill 20 of those people. Right. It's and, almost like there's less like right and wrong. And there's just a, a multitude of lesser evils that you have to figure out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it's fun to play in that boundary. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, totally. 100%. You know, and I think cyber psychosis actually is is a big part of that. It's sort of like a I always feel also a big part of cyberpunk is kind of like, you know, be careful what you ask for. You may just get it and nothing comes for free. There's a price for everything. Oh yeah. No, 100%. 100%. But um but definitely with uh when it comes to cyber psychosis, I I definitely have to say like, you know, a couple things. I love that it's there. I love that they came up with that for the game, the genre. 
the the you know cyberpunk RPG. I think that it makes sense. It's exciting. It's cool. It's dangerous. It keeps people from going too far. It's almost like a uh, a, a little um, I don't know like boundary or whatever to kind of help keep things from getting too uh, unbalanced or whatever. Um, and breaking the game with players that go too far, too far, you know. But I, but what I really love is what they did with Red. Like I said, just defining it a bit more, giving it some boundaries, some set traits and things you can look for um, that players can kind of play into. It just defines it more, and then it also defines, like I said, the therapy more and the options and how a med tech can be involved. And it's just, um, I don't know. I feel like they they left no stone unturned when it comes to red. They 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 trimmed back, some, like I said, some of the crunchy and some of the stuff that maybe was a bit much. And they streamlined that, but then they expanded on stuff like this, like cyberpsychosis, to just make it so much better and just more defined to where it actually makes sense now, and it, and it can be played properly. You know what I mean? Good. No, that's great. Because like I said, this was one of those things where like, wow, this is an amazing concept. But I could tell, like, reading from the core rule book, that they were like, this is just a sample of what we're thinking about. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, so on that case, you know. While Cyberpunk Red it will probably be a great source of cyber, you know, mining for ideas of this. I always feel it's better to say, okay, well, what would be a perfect example of a cyber psychotic, right? Because I mean, let's put it this way, right? The open, the first trailer for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven was basically a cyber psychotic, like that chick right. with the ment- with the manta blades. She's cyber psycho. That was a cyber psycho. That was a psycho squad guy ready to put a bullet in her head like you know what i'm saying so that's what i'm saying it's so key to cyberpunk like it's actually was part of the trailer um so and and like and i'm i was ashamed to say that i'm not completely brought up to the lore of cyberpunk so there's a few gaps so i never bothered to read the events of firestorm right yeah and and now recently i started while listening to it obviously the video game's coming out soon and and it from my point of view, it seems uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is a sequel to Firestorm. Like, from all intents and purposes, that's what it feels like to me. Um, nice. uh, and so, yeah, they start talking about Adam Smasher. And I'm listening to this guy, and I see the video, and I'm like, holy shoot, that's a cyber psycho. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, if you read this guy's background and you hear the story of this guy, he is the like if i'm pretty sure if mike ponsmick was thinking about what was a what would a cyber psycho look like it was adam smasher and so and so yeah um i don't know if you know much about his background but he's a pretty crazy dude um apparently he was a street kid who uh obviously grew up on the mean streets of wherever joined the army apparently was so mean and so bad that he was kicked out of the army for insubordination and excessive force <laughs> and became a solo where he specialized in body count. And the story goes that one day he got unlucky. I guess he, he fumbled a role somewhere and he got literally blown apart oh. and, and his squad picked up the pieces, brought him back and Arasaka hearing about this collects the body parts and offers him make basically makes him an offer he can't refuse yeah become an evil robocop basically yeah <laughs> be, a, be a cyborg yeah, for yeah. us work for us for 15 years or die yeah and and, and so as it's described it is like probably more than likely at this point from adam smasher's point of view that wasn't much of a choice anyway 
Um, and so he becomes Atom Smasher, the cyborg hitman, the premier solo for the Arasaka Corporation. Yeah. And so, yeah, he specializes in body count. He prefers to create as much destruction and as much body count. The more innocent people he kills, the better he feels about yeah, the mission. So it's defi- yeah, it's got that cyber psychosis vibe all over it. <laughs> and and so and so this is where the key term of cyber psychotics comes from, metal over meat. He yeah. would say this to people, metal over meat, cuz the the prevalent attitude of cyber psychotics is, you know, my technology is superior to all of your squishy parts. Right. And no, so apparently and so apparently the story goes is that he was basically considered the world's top premier solo mercenary, of course, except for one other person, Morgan Blackhand. Uh, and so I imagine the story would go if people would be like, oh, yeah, that Adam Smasher, he's badass, but he's no he's no Morgan Blackhand. That dude's got style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so apparently Adam Smasher was obsessed, obsessed with dueling Morgan Blackhand. Yeah. And of course, it didn't help that Morgan Blackhand became an exclusive contractor for Militech. And so the story goes that Morgan Blackhand knew Adam Smasher always wanted to 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 basically prove his theory whether metal or meat was better because Morgan Blackhand was not a cyborg. Right. He was a normal. He was a normal person. And so apparently Morgan Blackhand's uh, reaction to all this was just to avoid Adam Smasher at all costs. <laughs> I think basically just to taunt well, him, like, "Yeah, I, I know you want, I know you want to answer this question, but I don't. I think you're beneath me to even fight." You know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? I think that was what the attitude was. And so the story goes, and so in the final moments of Shockwave Firestorm Part Two, Morgan Blackhand and the squads go in to attack Arasaka Tower. Um, Adam Smasher is there to stop them. Um, they set off the nukes that destroy the building. And as they're yeah. escaping, Adam Smasher shows up and him and Morgan Blackhand finally confronts him. And as the tower falls, they fight into the rubble. And no one knows what the outcome of the battle is. Although I was thinking about it the other day. And while technically speaking, you see Adam Smasher in Cyberpunk 2077, although I'm still kind of like, is that really Adam Smasher? They could have just fit anybody in a cyborg combat frame, like, and called him Adam Smasher. Like, right. But you know, you know what I'm saying? But I, I actually was thinking about it and I was like, I think Morgan like, proved his point. I think like Morgan. Johnny Silverhand, I think it's going to be like that. You know, it's there. But but I was like I was thinking of like well, if you think about it I was like I think you know even though even if Morgan Blackhand died he won the fight because Adam lost the mission his mission was to protect Arasaka Tower oh yeah no hundred percent he won in, in you know whether or not he won that combat he won the war right you know I mean? and, I, I, and ultimately I think like that's ultimately that the real lesson I, and the sad thing is i don't even think if we ever if it really is adam smasher i'm pretty sure his attitude is like well i beat the great morgan blackhand i killed him yeah yeah but not realizing like well, it's no, all point dude. of view and you know that's part of the cyber psychosis i guess you could chalk it up to at that point is like in his mind he won because that's all he cares about so that is, that makes sense you know what I mean? But in the, but in the grander scheme of things, yeah, like yeah. no, dude, you messed up. If we were thinking about the mission and actually being successful, fighting right, right. Morgan, fighting Morgan was probably the worst thing to do at that moment. Oh no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, like I was saying, he might have lost that combat or that battle, but um, 
you know, he won the war, if you look at it that way, and that does make sense. You know, he didn't preserve the building and, and take care of that situation. The whole building got t- taken out. I mean, well, the whole center of the city ultimately exactly. got yeah. fucked. But, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point to make. I mean, it's just, you know, like we said, it's it's been incorporated into the lore. It's part of cyberpunk. It just makes sense. Cyberpsychosis is a thing. And it's fun to to think of ways to incorporate it into the campaign, into the player creation stuff, how, how to, you know, utilize it as a GM. We kind of discussed all that. I think we went over all that stuff pretty well. I'm, I'm excited for Red to come out so everybody else can see kind of what I'm seeing and also to see exactly how it ends up and expands because, uh, you know, just because I have the beta rules doesn't mean this is the set in stone version. Um, as they said, until the printed version is in your hand, everything is pretty much beta. You know what I mean? So I'm excited. No, to, I'm excited absolutely. to see how that, that comes out. But uh, but it's definitely a, a, a really cool aspect to cyberpunk that I'm glad that, that they thought of and put in the game. It's really cool. <laughs> no, it is. And uh, and yeah, it's definitely some interesting concepts to play with you know at the same time though i'm I'm sure we do have to tell everybody that you know we're talking about things with mental health issues and stuff like that um so just be a little bit more mindful and respectful of what you do and what people's experiences have been because a lot of people you know for this is not a game or well it's also that's that's why it's also great to always have your session zero any good gm knows you know you do your session zero and if you don't know the players well enough you can always discuss that there's checklists too that you can kind of email everyone and get them to check off on things and uh you know you can kind of research that as a gm but session zero is always a great place to kind of go over some of those things like hey i'm going to incorporate this and that and you know or you just straight up ask like hey are there any subjects or things you don't want me to touch on or anything that i should know about And you can kind of let them know or you know but um but no, I think that's a great point to make because it is mental health. And, you know, a lot of people do have issues with that. I mean, I, I don't know anybody. I literally don't know anybody that doesn't have some type of like hang up or mental issue or depression or, you know, some type of cork to their personality. Everyone is is fucking crazy to me and, and unique in their own way. And it's great. Absolutely. absolutely. But, but nowadays, and, and... more than ever, with everything going on, it can get a little out of hand and depression is running amok and anxiety. So yeah, definitely keep that in mind when doing stuff with cyber psychosis. Make sure everybody can kind of handle the creative things that you're coming up with as a GM. What, what were you going to say? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and just to segue that, like, you know, once again, what I feel like tabletop RPGs brings as an experience is like almost like a group therapy session you can bring your feelings and attitudes about mental health or your experience or explore what you've gone through in a way that doesn't strike deep inside of you you know what i'm saying a lot of people do a lot of people create characters to explore parts of of their life or their attitude or traumas in their past in a way that's more manageable because it's easier to project yourself onto a character than to talk about your own personal details. You get what I'm saying? Oh no, totally. So, I think I think so, role playing games are, are a, you know it's a form of therapy. It honestly is. So yeah, so not to say like to scare people off, like oh no, don't ever talk about this at all. Right, but right. at the same time, like just be mindful. Other people have different experiences. Some people might not be comfortable, you know, talking about their personal experiences or wanting to hear about experiences of mental health issues and whatnot because you know my grandfather and my uncle dealt with it and it was traumatizing and you never know you never know what people are dealing with in their personal life um right. 
and 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 yeah, like you said, session zero communication. That's I always propose that when people talk about GMing or how to GM, what's the best way? I would say talk to your players, get an understanding of how they feel about things, how right. they understand things, how they how they understand the game, how they what understand I like the to story, do... how they, how they understand what you're doing. Um, no, exactly, and the other thing too, and that and that depends on if you're, you know searching for players to run as a GM, but you know, if you have the luxury of me where like maybe you, you are playing with friends or people you've met a little bit deeper than that and now getting into more online, it's a little more face value. I do discuss it a little bit more um, if it involves new people, but I always like to kind of start with, with saying like, you know, I'm the type of GM, like I'm going to play cyberpunk to its fullest. It's going to be violent and dangerous and fucked up. I'm going to cuss. There's going to be all kinds of content Anything you've ever seen in the news or can think of, I might throw in there. I'm going to keep it diverse, and I'm going to keep it as gritty and dark and fucked up as possible because that's how I picture cyberpunk. And in red, it's even more so. It's even it's even rougher, and I'm going to try to think of ways to make it crazier here and there and stuff. If it ever offends you or things go too far, you know, just let me know. Or if this sounds like it's not something you want to get, get into, maybe I'm not the right GM. You know, but, but, but nine times out of ten, I think most people, when they're getting into cyberpunk... They know that. They know cyberpunk is not, you know, magic potions and, uh, you know what I mean, fairies and shit. It's like everybody is pretty much, like, rough. There's not a lot of fucking nice people. Everything's cutthroat. Everyone's struggling to survive. It's just the dark dystopian future. So I think that it it kind of has... There's there's less of that here. However, I do feel, though, there's the opposite problem of that. Not that there's too many, like, you know, people with with touchy feely or like sensitive, right, sensitive no but you still got to watch out for you still got to right. protect I, I, people i feel the know? i feel the i feel the problem though is in the opposite way you get too many edge lords that come that gravitate towards these type of genres because all they see is the darkness all they see is the that's bustle. true all they see is the body count and the all the crazy shit that they can get away with so you get into arguments when well, you're yeah you just... don't want murder hobo shit going on right either. that's so the, that you, you, get, you are right hey, that is the opposite side of that you got to be careful that people and, don't and go too you get crazy into weird, you get into weird arguments like you know cyberpunk is not political commentary and i'm like what are you talking about? Like, if you've never picked up a cyberpunk book, they're all political commentaries. It's a dystopia. Right. Like, dystopias are political commentaries. That's the the fundamental core of the genre. That's the whole reason we're here. <laughs> why did it all go wrong, and right. why we shouldn't? Why we shouldn't do this? No, exactly. But I think that's a great point to make too. Yeah, no, definitely. I think as crazy as it is, and as diverse as it should be, and luckily it does kind of have that safety in itself because it is built into the system. It's in the de- definition. It's the high tech low life but i think it's important that even within that definitely have a session zero it's you know it's you you can cover your bases that way whether it's you explaining to them them explaining to you whether it's coming from gm or player i'm saying or if it's just something that you have an open discussion about or ongoing so like you know like i said maybe you throw anything out there but you have an open uh you know an open door for communication where it's like you know just always let me know if things go too far let me know or if things are heading in a certain direction because you know, any good GM, you can you can change stories, you can uh, change things up and manipulate kind of the plot and what's going on if it's getting a little too fucked up for the for any particular player. Because, like you said, you never know what someone might have gone through, and then if it's in the game and it you know just triggers something, you know, and it's you gotta you gotta watch out for that a little bit. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. And so and so yeah, and even just to me, I always say like even if you don't want to get into in depth like what kind of stories and whatnot and what plots and you know, just to know like, hey, what kind of game do you want to play? Do you want to play a game where you're gonna be 
talking to people and convincing them and it's going to be more about role playing and playing a character and sort of being an actor in a story or do you want just I want to pull out my gun and tell me how you know what my chance to hit this guy and you know put me in the combat zone immediately right and that, you know that's what I want to play yeah yeah no and, and, and like I said I got a a whole other episode on Game Master Tips about Session Zero. I think, man, that could be its own podcast episode in itself. But taking it back to cyberpsychosis, I think it's important, you know, at, at least to touch base on that. That was good to bring it up. Um, it is a mental illness, as fun as cyberpsychosis is, and we're glad it's there in the game and it makes sense. And Rudd expanded on it, and it is a cool, uh, you know, part of the system. It definitely is a mental uh, illness in itself. So um, just remember as you're playing that, you know, the people playing the characters are still people. So, you know, it's important to just watch out for that, you know, so, yeah, make, make sure nobody's getting offended or hurt or upset. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think we, we talked to cyber psychosis as much as we can. I think we covered all our bases. I think, um, you know, we also gave some good tips and points in here. I'm, I'm pretty happy that, that we went on some tangents about, um, was there anything else about cyber psychosis that you wanted to mention that maybe we forgot? I don't know. I think about, Literally, the last thing I could think of is, you know, like I said, this is not something that most people desire to get into. So it is kind of weird because it is kind of like, hmm, I would like to play someone who went cyber psycho and like their journey there and then their maybe their journey back if they make it yeah. kind of right. So I guess the question is, would you consider a cyber psychotic character permanently retired? A cyber psychosis character retired. What do you mean? In other words, if someone went cyber, if someone went full cyber psycho and either and got caught, let's just say that, right? Uh huh. And they went through the therapy. Would you let that character? Would you let the player take that character control over again, and continue playing? What, whatever they were playing. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, to a certain degree, it defines it. You know how how much you can get back at what levels of therapy and the costs and all that in red. But most definitely if, if, if they get to that point, and like I said, it's rare that they'll capture you and put you through therapy. Usually when the jam's in control and you get that low, it's psycho squad is out for you. And you know, they're trying to put you, put you down, <laughs> you know, the crazy animal running around the city, you know, but, um, but there is that chance and who knows? I don't know if you're, it's kind of up to the GM, I guess at that point, GM discretion. If you're having a good time with that player, they're role playing well and they, went on that journey and you think, man, like, yeah, let's bring it back. Like this dude's crazy. He's great at role playing. Like, let's see how he, he comes back. You know, that could be kind of cool. But, um, but there's also, I but don't you know. Would, but you, would consider, you would consider that a rare, like a rare, rare. Unicorn, a rare unicorn moment. Like, Oh, totally like, rare. Yeah, such yeah. a character would be literally be world renowned. Like, you know, that guy, that guy came back from cyber psychosis. Exactly. No, no, it definitely has to be rare. And maybe even if you do kind of want to do it, you should make it a role somehow, like homebrew that shit. Just to just to double layer the chances, you know, on it um, as a GM. But again, GMs can do anything they want and certain things in cyberpunk and most things in cyberpunk, as you see, like they kind of write the rules like that. They, they leave some things open and they, they give you a lot of GM discretion and, and they, they, they try to make it more of an open world. And I love that. But the things that they do define are definitely there and, and they're appreciated. Um, and, and when it comes to cyber psychosis, at least in red, they do define all those therapies and stuff. So in my mind, it's still a possibility. You know what I mean? You could come back, but it's rare. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's my, my point of view is exactly that. Like I would love, I mean, you would need a really good character. You need a really good player 
um, to do this with. And you'd probably have to work out a lot of details behind the screen to to play it right. Yeah. Um, but I would love to explore a character who went cyber psychotic, and then if he survived the experience and recovered, to be like, okay, you're still a solo. You're just now you can't, you know, you know, you're not gonna have any, you know, the number same number of cybernetics you had before. So you just a, you're gonna have to live with that limitation, and b, there will have to be. I, me personally, would think there has to be some permanent consequence to you. Oh yeah, back. no, there would definitely have to be some type of like parole officer situation and like a monthly check in with a psychologist or something like you know mandated by the city and like. You know, maybe it shows up, find, maybe he has to wear an ankle bracelet for the rest of his life. Like, you could have fun with that. You could come up with all kinds of creative ideas, I think. I mean, oh, and yeah, that, absolutely. And, that's just, and that was just off the top of my head. I'm sure, you know, if you sit down and really think about that, you could really make entire campaigns around that, which would be fun. But again, like I said, it would take a special player because they would have to really be into role playing and know how to, you know, really rock that dynamic because, man, what a journey that would be. But that would be exciting. I think it would just take a, a really experienced or, I don't know, talented player, you know? No, absolutely. Not th- yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I do think that that's probably a very, a very intriguing possibility to to explore in a game. Um, and like I said, it's one of the reasons why I love cyberpunk. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's something where you can, this is something that I don't see in any other, t- very few tabletop. I think probably the only other, only two other games that kind of explore this concept in any depth is Call of Cthulhu. Because it has insanity mechanics, nice. and and um, vampire, vampire, vampire has sort of a similar concept of loss of humanity, where you know you're taken over as a vampire, and the more evil you do, the more the vampire side consumes you to the point where you just become like the uncontrollable, you know, killer vampire, and you have to be put down. Yeah. No, that that definitely sounds similar. But the one thing I love about it, like even with those, like I was picturing, I was like, oh yeah, it does sound similar. But again, like one thing I love about cyberpunk is just the realism in it. Like it's there. It definitely mimics exactly how you would picture mental illness happening from going overboard with cybernetics and all that coming into play. But I I also think there's just such a human element to it because of cyberpunk being what it is as a, as a role playing game that it's just I don't know for me anyways more immersive and I still love my D and D I love fantasy stuff and whatever it's fun for what it is but to me I don't know that's just the dark dystopian future part of cyberpunk it is just always to it, to me it's just always it always has the potential to be dangerous and gritty and crazy you know what I mean <laughs> no absolutely yeah. But no, I, I think uh, you know. I, I think we covered all our bases here. Uh, anybody listening, if if you thought of something interesting about cyberpsychosis and your experience with cyberpunk and anything we didn't mention or cover, or you have an opinion, leave it in the comments. Send a message. Join us uh, on Facebook uh, on the Cyberpunk Uncensored group. Hit hit us up on the YouTube channel. Check out the live gameplay and all the things we do there. The GM tips. Uh, one place to kind of go and and see everything that we have going on is just go to cyberpunkuncensored.com. And uh, I'll put the links and stuff in the description. And, uh, yeah, Hugo, other than always seeing you at the Cyberpunk Uncensored group, do you have uh, any anything else you want to plug, anything online where people can find you? Uh, nothing right now. Um, yeah. You're definitely just part t- of the Cyberpunk Uncensored group. You're there. And one thing also, like, uh, just to mention, I'm sure sometime in the future I want to talk to you about uh, joining some of the live gameplay and, and running some for us for fun, even if not just a one-shot. We're kind of getting into... I don't know, expanding the Cyberpunk Uncensored brand online and the game streaming stuff. So no, I, no, absolutely, to, yeah. Yeah, have we you talked, part of that? We talk, 
we talked about it and and yeah, yeah. if you want to look forward to something i am thinking about running some one shots oh, yeah. um specifically like i talked to you before I, I i i feel masochistic because i know this is the most controversial part of the rules but i i part of the reason i love cyberpunk 2020 is the saddest part of cyberpunk 2020 net running Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. and, and when I read about that running, I'm like, oh cool! I love computers and VR, and you could tr- wow, you could do the Tron thing, and you could jump into the virtual world and do all this. And then I, as more and more I read, and more and more I heard that everyone pretty much like, yeah, it sucks. No one uses it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I and I, let, let me just add some real quick and I don't want to get too much into net running. We, I literally just did a, a full episode about net running and red and all that with with uh, one of my players that. Uh, plays a netrunner and all the games we do but um but no i think it it it's not that people hated it i don't think it's that it sucked i think people just didn't like how crunchy and difficult and, and how separate it, it was of, from yeah, the, the, the rest of the, of the team yeah it was super crunchy it takes you out of the regular game it's such a separate process and the way right. I, I i like to describe it as it's kind of analogous to having a D party and having that one guy that has to sit in the other room right and you have to, as a GM, run back and forth between two different rooms to play two different games. And so that's not fun. That's not immersion. People are going to start checking their phones and ordering pizza. And, right. And, 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 that, and that's what I mean by people hated it. When people got involved in that, they were like, well, it's cool, but it's really kind of like not involving us. So we'd rather just not do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it kind of broke my heart because I'm like, man, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. But no, definitely. Uh, let, let's not start getting into a whole tangent on net running. Oh. Let's end it on the cyber psychosis. And uh, <laughs> any anybody uh, anybody checking it out? Hopefully, like I said, if if there's anything that we forgot to mention about cyber psychosis, hit hit me up, hit us up, leave a comment, uh, join the group, check out the link, check out the website. Um, we'd love to have you as part of Cyberpunk Uncensored, the community that we're building here. We also just launched the Discord. But, um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. Hugo, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, man. It was a All great right. time. Yeah, no, we'll definitely do it again. There's so many subjects uh, that need to be covered in cyberpunk, and, and, and like you, I could talk about it all, all day. So we'll definitely do some more episodes in the future together. I'd love to have you back if you're down with that. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, hey, everybody listening, take care. Hugo, take care, and we'll see everybody next time. Take care. Later, Chumbas.